WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Low Tide here on 90.7 Capstone. Nicholas Persley joined, as always, by Adam Hambright and usually Joe Schatz, but he's running a little bit late tonight. Um, Adam, do you know what today is? Uh, all I really know is today's Sunday. Well, today is Sunday. Okay. But it also is the 20th ever episode of the Low Tide. Oh, milestone yeah this is uh this is a big deal this is a big yeah. deal right here so later on in the show fan favorite segment coming back beef of the week later in the show so it's hard to choose just one true 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 <laughs> um but so you're not going to want to miss that so stick around um with this being the 20th episode, I just want to start by thanking everybody who listens, whether that's uh, to us uh, as a podcast on Spotify or on voices.ua.edu or live uh, every Sunday on 90.7 or the Live 365 or TuneIn apps. So we just want to uh, thank everybody for that. Um, so we'll get started today. Um, it's some some almost sad news honestly um eli gold is out as the alabama play-by-play commentator uh crimson tide sports network um has apparently opted uh not to renew uh eli gold's contract uh which will be up in june um the crazy part is is that apparently this was not eli's choice um obviously eli has had some um health scares here in the past couple years he was only calling the home games this past season uh with uh chris stewart uh taking the taking the duties uh on the away games but this is going to be a big change yeah this is the first time they'll have somebody else permanently in the role of play-by-play broadcaster uh, i believe it's 36 years now um but yeah this was not Eli Gold's choice um, exactly. Um, I know two years ago that that season, you know, with health issues, he had to sit out. Then last season, he called home games and the Iron Bowl. Chris Stewart filled in for him. And now um, what I heard was that they offered to still let him call the A-Day game and then be in a limited role this upcoming season. No telling what exactly that would be. He would obviously not be a color commentator, probably end up being either somebody for like a pregame, postgame, maybe halftime um, analyst. But it's obviously something that Eli Gold did not want to do. He still wants to be play-by-play, so he turned down that offers, what I was told, and now he will be uh, the official play-by-play broadcaster for the National Cats of the Arena Football League. Chris Stewart now steps in full-time for football and for basketball, as well as other sports that he'll fill in for, uh, which is good for Chris Stewart. He's obviously well-suited for the role. He's going to do a great job, but it is uh, a sad day with somebody who is synonymous with Alabama football f- not being in the role as official play-by-play broadcaster for football for the first time in about 36 years. 
Yeah, so uh, we mentioned the Crimson Tide Sports Network uh, releasing a statement. Uh, I'll go ahead and read that. Um, As we noted in yesterday's release, Eli Gold has been a legendary broadcaster in a career spanning 52 years. In 2023, we worked out a plan to have Eli call the home games plus Auburn uh, with Chris Stewart handling away games. Uh, We are incredibly appreciative of the positive things Eli has contributed to the Crimson Tide Sports Network and the University of Alabama during his time with us, which is why our desire was for him to remain part of the game day broadcast and allow us to celebrate his UA broadcast career. But at this point, the interest of the UA and Crimson Tide Sports Network are best served by Chris Stewart handling play-by-play for all games. After a series of conversations over a period of time, Eli was presented with an opportunity to continue his contributions to the Crimson Tide Sports Network broadcast team in the coming years in a more limited role, including the lead broadcast role for this year's A-Day game. Uh, Unfortunately, he declined the opportunity. We will always appreciate Eli and wish him nothing but the best in his next endeavors. We are incredibly excited about the future of Crimson Tide Sports Network and what Crimson and what Chris Stewart uh, will bring to the broadcasts in his new role. Um, so Joe has Joe has joined us a little bit I'm late, back, but yeah, but yeah. just in time, honestly. Uh, so Joe, what's what's your take on Eli Gold uh, being out as the play-by-play uh, commentator on the Crimson Tide Sports Network? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how how in depth you guys went, you know, over the last uh, two three minutes, but um, yeah, I just I, I don't know. It just it's a really weird situation now. I mean, it. it it kind of started and it seemed like, oh, you know, it was like at least when the announcement was made, my immediate reaction was it's some health-related thing or, or, you know, he just wanted to step away. And then it kind of comes out that it's more of like a university kind of head, someone above, uh, you know, above the pay grade, uh, pay, pay grade, you know, made that decision. And, and now it just kind of seems like everyone – it seems like all sides are kind of in some sort of, of mess of some sorts. It seems like the university um, – you know, kind of treated him, and and you know, I agree. Like he treat, they treated him wrong, and kind of the way that this whole thing seemed to unfold. And then now it seems like you know, Eli Gold wasn't. You know, he was kind of offered a job when it didn't really sound like he was before, and and then he turned it down. So now it's just kind of like you know, both sides are have have you know made some some pretty bad errors. Um, although I'd say the university probably made a bigger one because it's Eli Gold for Pete's sakes. Um, but uh but yeah no i just feel bad and then you know the other the kind of the last thing uh you know you guys were talking at the end about chris stewart i mean he's like a phenomenal play-by-play guy you know he did really good for you know the road games and now i kind of feel bad for him because he's stepping into a role like this you know this is kind of his introduction to being the voice of alabama football which is um such a huge job down here so um yeah it seems like all three sides of it are are a little messy but um yeah, I mean, I guess just to kind of sum it up, I'm disappointed it's Eli Gold's gone, but you know, it'll be uh, it'll be nice to listen to Chris Stewart. Yeah, I think I think Chris Chris Stewart was uh, great this past season calling the away games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see him get that opportunity and step into that role. But you know, it, it is unfortunate how everything went down. So uh, Eli Gold uh, spoke to AL.com um, and said. Uh, Well, the university has chosen not to bring me back. Uh, This is not with a capital N-O-T, not at all health-related. I'm very healthy. Everything is wonderful. I am as healthy as a horse. Uh, You love to hear that. Um, Yeah. He's he's not retiring. He straight up came out and said he's not retiring. Uh, The university just decided to go in a different direction, which is 
what can happen sometimes. But, I, you know, it, it is kind of a shame you would have liked to have seen him get, you know, a proper send-off, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, it kind of seemed like what they tried to do was the university and uh, the Crimson Tide Sports Network um, – which Learfield is kind of like the the owner of. It looks like they were like in conjunction and kind of made the decision to go in a new direction, but they still wanted to have some kind of send-off. That's kind of what it seems like they were offering with him uh, being able to call the A-Day and then not being play-by-play, but they wanted him a part of the broadcast. Almost sounds like they wanted it to be kind of like a farewell tour, kind of bring him in for like pregame, postgame stuff. Um, and then Eli wasn't having it because he still thinks he can do the job. And, you know, he was still able uh, to do the job last year. I understand uh, the health issues. Eli Gold said he's healthy. Um, I would have still liked to see, you know, an official send off, let him sign off on his own terms. But I also understand it from the university and uh, Tide Sports Network uh, point of view. I still think it could have been handled a little bit better, um, I think. It's going to be good. I wish Eli would have actually gotten a better um, job. Maybe he just wants to call the Nashville Cats Arena football. I kind of wish he would have gotten a little bit higher profile job. I don't know what would exactly be available. Like, I don't know um, how many play-by-play openings there would have been. But I would have liked to send a better um, send-off. And then, obviously, I wish he could have got a better job for the later stages of his career. Yeah, so in other Alabama football news, there was a lot of official announcements, a lot of things finally made official that we had known for a long time. Uh, probably the most the most recent one, Courtney Morgan officially announced as the GM. We've talked about this before, about how, you know, kind of new age college football uh, front offices are going to start to look more like NFL front offices. I mean, um, just a few years ago not very many teams had a GM uh, and now you know uh, with Kalen DeBoer coming from Washington uh, to Alabama he's bringing along his GM Courtney Morgan um, we've talked about this before what do, you, what do you think the impact of a guy like Courtney Morgan can be on a program like Alabama um, I mean I think it could be pretty important i mean this is like you mentioned nick a very different time for college football because like now you have a gm and i don't like i'm waiting for the president of football operations to become <laughs> to become an official position um but it, you know i think it could have a, a, a lot of impact especially with how much stuff needs to be done in college football now i mean you look at not only the calendar um you know in, in terms of you know recruiting and high school recruiting but you're now looking at especially with alabama this season you know transfers who's going to leave who's going to stay getting convincing guys to go to, or to stay here or you know kind of convincing guys to come to alabama you know it's a lot for just a singular guy to do especially you know one who already then has to coach a football game that saturday um for for months on end and and especially down here win those games on saturday um so you know you're i think for a guy like morgan who you know from by all accounts sounds like he did terrific jobs at at washington and i believe michigan and kind of helped those two programs uh get their roster kind of completed and and i think for getting him here that's a very good job by but DeBoer and I'm interested to see though just kind of what he does because Alabama's football has never had a GM so um I'm interested to see just what the role entails you know it, it's interesting to me because like do you ever think Alabama football would have had a GM under Nick Saban 
No. Well, he uh, was, but he yeah. basically <laughs> was. He's like, yeah, you know, he's Belichick. Yeah, exactly. That was the comparison I was yeah. about to make. But it's just, it's just wild to me how this direction that we're going in with college football. But. Yeah. The uh, so the official press release has that Morgan will be tasked with managing the Crimson Tide's roster while overseeing and directing the daily operations of both the personnel and recruiting departments. He will help organize the head coach's film evaluations and prospect communication while also organizing transfer portal evaluations. Morgan is also tasked with supervising internal brand management for Alabama football. So, you know, part of this, we've, we've kind of seen lately, some people have speculated as to why some coaches have either left head coaching positions to be assistants and other coaches going to the NFL is because they just want to focus on the football. And by Courtney Morgan being hired as a general manager, it kind of opens up all the other coaches, Kalen DeBoer and the rest of the staff to focus on the coaching. And obviously they will still have to do recruiting and stuff, but at least while it's in season, it looks like Courtney Morgan will kind of take uh, the brunt of that work to allow them to focus on, you know, actual game planning and getting ready for the opponents um, to where you're not having your head coach worried about a hundred different I mean Kalen DeBoer is still going to be worried about it but he's going to be able to focus more on the game planning making sure the team is in the right spot and then it also that that last part internal brand management kind of makes it seem like uh any of the players that are doing dumb stuff out in town he's going to be the kind of the one in charge of being like hey don't do that you know you're an Alabama football player now so just kind of helps the coaching staff actually focus on what they actually want to do which is coach football can the like subtitle of his position be like Alabama standard? Uh, what, what's the word? Uh, like coordinator? Alabama or standard defender? Enforcer. <laughs> enforcer. That's that's the word I was looking for. Um, there's also some more official announcements. Obviously, uh, Kane Womick. Uh, sorry, Kane Womick. Trying to get rid used to that pronunciation. It's a, it's a new um, I think It's okay. Announced uh, as the defensive coordinator. He's also going to coach uh, the inside linebackers. And then obviously uh, Nick Sheridan and Jamarcus Shepard named co-offensive coordinators. Uh, Sheridan will be running the offense, calling the plays. Uh, Jamarcus Shepard obviously coaching the receivers, um, just like he did at Washington that we've talked about so much. Out of those three guys, who are you most excited to see have an impact uh, on the Crimson Tide this upcoming season? Um. I'll start. I, I'm pretty interested in seeing how Sheridan does in, in that OC role. I mean, this is a, a position that's been, at least to start the season, scrutinized the past three, four years. Um, you know, it, it's a very uh, – I think it's it, it's very much it gets to the brunt of the finger pointing when, you know, if, if the offense does well, whether or not it's on the OC or not. Um, but, you know, I'm interested to see kind of what he does. It sounds like he – or not sounds like he, you know, has worked with, you know, Michael Penix at Indiana before and, and has been with DeBoer. So, you know, I mean, these are – this is a kind of a position in that quarterback that he's really comfortable in, and I'm interested to see kind of what he can get out of Miller. Because that was kind of what we were saying with, with Grubb before he – took the Seattle job was oh you know this guy was the OC for Penix and Michael Penix was a Heisman finalist and Washington was in the title game with this great offense you know and and I think that just kind of gets passed on to Sheridan who is a little less well known than Grubb uh sure but has you know worked with kind of these player you know an elite level quarterback before and was his quarterback coach uh at Indiana so you know with with I think him coming in it should be it should be just you know interesting to see what the role of you know Milrow and and some of these offensive players that are coming in new, um, what what kind of that side of the field looks like. 
Yeah, and um, it would be very easy for me to say, you know, the same thing with Sheridan uh, working the offense and then uh, Shepard with with receivers, you know, with the, the receivers, they've kind of like stepped down the last couple years. I mean, they've still been good, but they haven't been to that level that we had been used to seeing with, you know, Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy and everybody before. Um, but for me, it's uh, Coach uh, Womack. And the, the biggest improvement – on last year's team to me was that defense we had seen how they had been previously under Pete Golding and then Kevin Steele came in and uh, I know Nick Saban said that he had a much more hands-on um, approach to practice and everything at least with the defensive backs but you kind of saw how the defense kind of got closer to what they had been earlier in Nick Saban's career at Alabama to where it was a a defense that people were kind of, you know, scared to face, you know, that could actually shut down teams and not uh, the team that would just hope to get one stop to where you'd win a game that was a shootout. And then, you know, Kevin Steele had announced his retirement before Nick Saban did. So now you had Nick, uh, Nick Saban and Kevin Steele retired, who were, the, you know, the leaders. You had defensive backs coach go to, to Georgia. You know, you kept a couple of coaches on staff and then you get – Coach Womack coming from South Alabama to now be the defensive coordinator, and he's, um, you know, already you, – you've seen it plastered on social media, the swarm defense, his 4-2-5 that he's implementing, and I wish I could have actually sat down with these players, but um, last week at a basketball game they had some uh, – some of the players were giving autographs, a couple of them, Deontay Lawson and uh, Malachi Moore. I tried to stay a little bit longer to kind of talk to them and see how they were feeling about the about Coach Womack. And, you know, they're excited. They're having fun with practice. And we'll, right now, the, the offseason conditioning. And they, they seem excited for what he's going to bring to the table scheme and game plan-wise on the defense. So I'm just excited to see if they are able to continue what Steele and Saban had kind of brought back last season. Yeah. So for me – um, I, I guess I'll take the the last one. Uh, Jamarcus Shepard is, I think, going to have an incredible impact uh, here at Alabama. You talked about how Alabama has, for years, had these top-tier receivers. And, you know, in the past couple of years – Alabama has not had a real true number one guy step up. Um, you know, every once in a while, you know, we thought it was going to be Bond there for a little bit. Um, and now he's at Texas. He might have got a Lambo. Um, think things have changed. Let's just say that. Um, but Jamarcus Shepard arguably had the best wide receiver core in the nation last year. Uh, two players had over 1,000-yard seasons. Um he had a first-team All-American. Um, I believe he, he might have had two first-team All-Americans uh, receivers. Um, you know, just a, a fantastic offense there in Washington. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I think the thing that I'm more um, excited to see is the fact that he didn't just build one guy, right? He didn't have one star receiver, right? He had multiple guys who he turned into NFL-level talent who were not NFL-level talent before this past season. So it's going to be interesting to see, and you would hope if you're an Alabama fan that um, – that passing game would be uh, electrified this next season by the addition of, um, sorry, by the conditioning of uh, a stronger wide receiver core. So that's going to do it uh, for us. Uh, we will be right back 
We've got a fantastic rest of the show planned for you. Do not miss it. We'll be right back here on 90.7. This show is a sports production of WVUAFM 90.7, a division of student media at the University of Alabama. Support us by leaving a review, rating, or following us on X at WVUAFM Sports. Welcome back into the low tide here on 90.7 The Capstone. Nicholas, Joe, Adam, uh, talking some Alabama basketball here on the 20th ever episode of The Low Tide. Uh, Pretty exciting. Um, What was not exciting uh, was Alabama's (laughs) performance against Kentucky last night. Uh, They obviously traveled to Kentucky um, and just got demolished. 117 to 95 is the final score. Joe, you want to break this one down for us? Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, it was uh, – sorry, I sounded real enthusiastic. <laughs> um, it, it's just – it was a really it, – it's an interesting game because if I think had, you know, you not watched the game at all and, and, you know, I told you that Alabama scored 95 points, shot 57% from the field, you know, had made 21 of their 27 free throws, you would have been like, oh, sweet. They had – I believe the Crimson Tide had 220 Yeah two 20-point scorers in this game, and you're like, oh, awesome, how much did they win by? And you're like, oh, they lost by, uh, like, nearly 30. Um, <laughs> it it would have been bad, and, and you, you would have been shocked. And the reason is because Kentucky shot 60% from the field, 54% from uh, three. They had, you know, four or five guys, excuse me, in double figures. Um, and really, I mean, they had – you know, uh, Justin Edwards for them, they're, uh, he was 10 for 10. Like he did miss a shot all game. Um, it was just uh, by the second half. Um, I think I, I might have even tweeted this out with about like 15 minutes left. Alabama just like stopped really playing. Like it was, it just Kentucky absolutely, uh, you know, maybe you could say a wake up call for that Alabama defense. I mean, to get 117 dropped on you is absurd. Um, you know, they almost – they lit up 58 in first half, 59 in the second. So it was just – I mean, I think everyone who, you know, would, like going into that game, everyone figured it was going to be a shootout and figured it was going to be high scoring. But, you know, you can't let up 117, like, at all. And, and I believe – it was you know NATO's post game was saying like yeah I with some things I just don't know what to do like you know it's just that end of the court is so is so poor defensively for Alabama when you play an offense like Kentucky's um you're gonna get exposed like that yeah and I'd kind of talk to somebody somebody else you know off the air um after that LSU game um, in Baton Rouge. And I was like, I never thought I would see a day where Alabama basketball would give up over 90 points and still win by about 20. And then I watched this game this week, and it's like, I never thought I would see an Alabama team score 95 and lose (laughs) about that much. Um, And then, you know, they were a little shorthanded going into the game. You had, you know, Latrell Wrightsell Jr., who uh, he had gotten hurt before the Florida game, uh, which – 
you know, we would have liked to talk about with, but with how bad uh, that Kentucky game was, yeah. they kind of took a back seat. Uh, but he had suffered a head injury before that Florida game, missed the Florida game, missed the Kentucky game. Um, hopefully he'll be back um, this week for that game at Oxford. Um, and then uh, Mohamed Wagi, who was suspended by the SEC, um, had an elbow. He gave, gave an elbow to the head of a, a Florida player uh, that Nate Oates had even said they would have suspended him after reviewing the tape anyway. But so two, uh, you know, one guy that had been put into the starting role, Wagi had been getting really good minutes lately. And I know Nate Oates said that it wouldn't have made a difference, and it might have not made a difference in the final score. But he also, in that press conference, said that, you know, Latrell Wrightsell was one of the more shorthanded guards of not turning the ball over. And then you look, and points off turnovers from Kentucky was 29. So it's like if you had had somebody in there, I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome of the game, but if you had somebody in there that was better at maintaining possession of the ball and not turning it over, it could have kept it closer. Um, obviously, we've talked all season about how uh, the defense has kind of been what the, the, the weak point of this team has been and they need to figure it out. Uh, but also, um, they're still – now they're still tied uh, for first in the SEC uh, with Tennessee. Tennessee has a tiebreaker now. They have the game against – Um, Ole Miss this week and then Tennessee on this upcoming weekend where college game day will be there. So hopefully, you know, a good uh, crowd comes out for that. Uh, First time college game day had an Alabama basketball game or Alabama home basketball game. Um, So hopefully Alabama is able to defeat Tennessee, kind of get back. Um, They still got a chance to win the SEC. And then obviously you got the SEC tournament. They're still holding strong at the three line for the SEC or NCAA tournament. so the season's not over, even though you never want to see your team give up the second most points in program history. But uh, once you get injuries and you know people back from suspension, as long as they don't continue to make plays like that, um, you know you still got a lot to play for this year, and still championships to be won. Yeah, you know it's it's a tough look. Did you know that this was Kentucky's first quad one win of the entire season? Mm-hmm. That's wild. Um, you know, obviously, 117 points is preposterous. We were just talking about Loyola Marymount last last week. Uh, they certainly would have been proud of this game. Um, it, is, it started off so it – was, it was close. Uh, I remember at one point it was 26-25, I believe. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, I look up and it's like, oh, we're down by six. Oh, we're down by tens. <laughs> and, you know, going into halftime, you know, Alabama has had several comebacks this year. You know, you're not – freaking out per se um and they looked pretty good coming out of the half they looked like they were playing with some fire uh hit a lot of shots and then kentucky just goes on this run which gets uh capped off by three-point uh shooter one of kentucky's players shoots it goes in fouled and that's like that's the dagger for me you know and and there's one thing i want to bring up and i'm not saying that we're Kentucky's, you know, champion. Like, we're not their Super Bowl or anything. But have you all noticed last two – I believe it's last two times Alabama's went into Lexington. Kentucky plays like their best game of the season. Uh, so this so this year, obviously, scoring 117. And then I believe it was the last time we were in Lexington 
I could be wrong, but Keon Ellis like went off in the first half. Alabama had like a 20-point lead in like the first 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. And then before halftime, Kentucky had the lead back, and then they almost scored 100 points again. But anyway, they, they get up for Alabama when Alabama comes into Lexington. Well, everyone wants Bama, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, you know, everybody's wanted Bama for so long in, in football, but now now is that changing for basketball as yeah. well? Yeah, um, Sign of changing times. Um so what what does NATO's have to do? Like what what can he do? Oh. I, I mean I know he talked about it a little bit, um, but something has got to change here. Uh, you would think that 117 points being scored on you uh, would be a wake up call, which honestly could not come at a better time. You've got Tennessee uh, coming to town, and that looks like it could potentially be a, almost an SEC title game. Um, what can NATO's do to, if not, he's certainly not going to fix it, but maybe take some of the pressure off the offense? Yeah. I don't know. I it, It's hard to say because, I mean, like you can't switch your defense. Like go, if you can't run a man-to-man defense, you're not going to be able to run a zone. Like that's infin- that's harder, I should say. And I do wonder if maybe – quite like this was this is just like uh, maybe it's the optimist to me but like maybe this is what they needed like maybe you needed to see 117 put on you um because they really you know if you go into this game you know they let up you know 93 to florida but that was you know overtime game 75 to a&m uh 92 to lsu but they won by 17 you know they they hadn't really suffered a humiliating loss since that one at auburn um you know, when they lost by 18, but even then, it you know, they led up 99 and scored 81, so you're just thinking maybe it'll click eventually, and and I think with a game like this, especially with it being on the road, um, where Alabama has struggled this season, I, maybe now they'll finally realize it and, and, and look at defense in a different way, but I, to be honest, I don't think it's as simple as just saying, oh, we fixed this, we're going to be fine on defense, you know, because they don't, there really isn't one it's this maybe sounds horrible but there's not one thing that they do poorly on defense they just play defense poorly um like it's pretty hard and that gets really that becomes really bad when you also turn the ball over like they did yesterday um which also you know plays a little bit into the defense but um yeah i to be honest i i'm kind of just as perplexed as you um Nick, I don't know, Adam, if you got anything. Well, I mean, we've way better. So with with, with Kentucky specifically, right? They shot sixty three percent from the field, fifty four percent from beyond the arc, and it's probably Kentucky's best shooting performance of the season. You can't like if if that game gets played again tomorrow. I don't think Kentucky plays as well as they did in that game. Um, but we've kind of seen this for several years now uh, with Alabama and, you know, a couple of times this season where they'll go on a little winning streak and then they'll have that one game where they'll get blown out. Um, Oklahoma, you know, last year. Um, and then, you know, they, they had a, a – like a long winning streak, then they lose again, then they have another long winning streak. And then this season, you had uh, after those three big games, then they, you know, a little bit of a winning streak. They get blown out at Tennessee, winning streak, blown out at Auburn, winning streak, now blown out at Kentucky. Hopefully, we see a winning streak coming out of it um, with four games left in the regular season. You know, you have Ole Miss, you have um, Tennessee, you have. Uh, a game at Florida and then Arkansas to end the season before you go to the uh, SEC tournament. So hopefully, 
you know, this kind of gets the team back to practicing um, and playing how they were, you know, when they started the streak. But like you were saying, mm-hmm. too, seeing them give up, you know, 90-plus points to LSU and to Florida, and they're like, oh, well, we're winning. Maybe we don't have to try as hard on defense because it's going to yeah. carry us. And then you run into Kentucky, who has one of the best, you know, performances. And then they had 44 points in the paint, um, 44 points from their bench. And, you know, I don't think – just like you, Joe, I don't think there's anything to fix this season. You just got to try harder, uh, be a little bit more, give a little bit more effort on defense, you know, box out rebounds, keep those second chance points off the board. Hopefully you make a little run here. And then next year, um, we'll see if it is having to go with smaller lineups because next year we do have one of the best centers in high school that is committed. So once you have somebody that can match teams with the size, you don't have an excuse for that anymore. So for this season, really just got to give more effort. Uh, next season, we'll see if they can actually fundamentally change the defense. Yeah, I thought I, I just wanted to chime this in here before we, we ended the basketball talk. It was a really good quote from Nate Oates post game where he said, uh, we told our guys uh, that we have question that we've had question marks about our defense all year. Those question marks are completely erased, and everyone knows we can't really guard at this point. Um, so, and you know, he goes on. There's a couple of, I mean, this was like a tirade more than it was a press conference by Nate Oates. Um, you know, any kind of decent defense was played in the last eight minutes when I thought the game was already over. Like, you know, there's not a lot of positives. That's two quotes from him. Like, there's, you know, there's not. A whole lot to to say about that game other than just a abomination on defense. But the you know the good thing and we've talked about this is that it's only one loss, still tied for first in the SEC, um, still pretty much control your own destiny. You know with Tennessee um, coming to Tuscaloosa uh, a week from I guess yesterday now. So you know you got you got to take care of Ole Miss on Wednesday. Um, you know on the road, which is going to be tough because. You kind of can maybe the rebels can sense a little blood in the water with this team, um, but you know if you take care of Ole Miss on Wednesday and you can get up and beat Tennessee at home, which wouldn't honestly surprise me if Alabama can turn it around and win two games and and get a firm hold on on that SEC regular season title. Um, you know, if but if you can do that, and it's going to have to come from playing defense. If, so. if, if you if you want to win the regular season SEC championship, you need to at least go three and one in these last four games. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, for how good Alabama is, or at least how talented they are, you know, you should expect that. I mean, you know, you got Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas to end out the year. Um, Ole Miss and Arkansas are unranked, and Arkansas has kind of been falling out for the whole season at this point. Um, So you just really got to make sure you can win these games against, you know, if you can get one of the Florida-Tennessee game. You know, one thing. You know, one thing quickly. um, I wonder if this type of season, you know, because Nate Oates is still a very young coach. He's only been at Alabama for a few years. Um, I wonder if this type of season changes maybe a little bit of his mentality when it comes to building a team, right? Um, You know, in today's age of college basketball, you know, your top prospects are only going to be there for a little bit. You know, you have a guy like 
Brandon Miller come in, you're not going to have him for long. Um, a lot of these teams have to be built through the transfer portal. You're not going to see as many, you know, maybe some bench pieces, um, guys who will stay for four years. Uh, but it, it's pretty rare nowadays. Um, I wonder if, you know, a season like this where, frankly, it, it seems like either he's – got players who just don't want to play defense or just aren't particularly uh, don't have the the right skill set yeah well you, know? you, you kind of saw it uh, this year already a little bit when so last season you know you obviously had the Noah Clowney you had Brandon Miller come in and then you had Mark Sears that you got out of the transfer portal but for the most part it was, it was guys that had already been here and then you know those those recruits you brought in he had, he had already changed it a little bit he had brought in more transfer players than what he had with all the people that they lost you know brought in you know Grant Nelson brought in Aaron Estrada you know kept bringing in more he wanted more experienced guys because if you notice once um, so Alabama lost to San Diego State in the Sweet 16, San Diego State was a very, you know, upperclassman heavy team. And then I think it was like seven of the eight Elite Eight teams were all like mm. super heavy, like grad students, seniors, students. And so he brought in a, bunch, a lot of more transfers than what he was used to. I think um, maybe similar to what you were saying is uh, maybe he'll look at who exactly he's bringing in because uh, a thing that, you know, a lot of people say was they expected to have Betty Ako. Right, a guy that could be there to guard the rim, and then Mediaco was gone, and he hadn't recruited uh, through the portal or um, any recruits coming in to replace him. So I wonder if he won't make that same mistake again and actually uh, constantly recruit somebody that could step in to be that rim protector role, like a seven foot guy, uh, rim protector. But that's still not going to really help um, on the perimeter if you don't have guys that are actively trying to defend uh, throughout the game. But I, th I think you'll see a little bit of that and maybe some some taller uh, interior guys. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, over the next couple of years, hopefully for many, many years to come uh, with Nate Oates uh, here. And maybe in a new arena. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Well, we can Who's hope. to say? Who, who knows? Uh, will it ever be built? Only time will tell. Maybe they'll build it next to the uh, Northport uh, Beach Park. <laughs> oh, next to the $800,000 condos? Yeah. Uh, could go crazy. Out in the middle of the, the fake lagoon? Yeah. Could, could that go crazy? Like a moat? Yeah, a moat around water, the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would the be oats sick. moat. I know if people move to one side of the stadium, you start sinking. Uh, we we, <laughs> we might have just found a way to get the stadium built uh, here on the low tide. When we come back, do not miss it. B for the Week is back uh, after probably some baseball and softball talk. But B for the Week will come yeah. back uh, on this 20th episode of the Low Tide. Do not miss it. We'll be right back here on 90.7. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Welcome back into the Low Tide here on 90.7 The Capstone. Nicholas, Joe, Adam, closing things out with you uh, here on the 20th episode of the Low Tide. Yeah. Beef we of the Week is... through the balloons, parties. Oh, yeah, yeah. The cookie cake is uh, outside. Um, none for everybody else. Uh, only for us. Um, yeah. But 
Beef of the Week is back uh, after we do some uh, baseball and softball talk because baseball is on fire. Yeah, baseball continues uh, their hot start to the season. You know, they we had talked after they had started off 3-0, and now they're up to 8-0. Um, so over the week they had beat Middle Tennessee. Um, then they had run-ruled four games in a row. So they run-ruled Alabama State and then Valparaiso over the weekend series, all three games. And bats have stayed hot. T.J. McCants, you know, has just – been amazing this year um he's batting like over 400 and now he i think he's up to six home runs now i, I don't know the the specific numbers and the home runs off the top of my head but um bats have stayed hot the real thing has been um we now have a new question mark with the pitching rotation so um last week saturday the what looked like was going to be one of our weekend starters uh, riley quick uh pitched the saturday game pitched three innings didn't give up a run got taken out uh learned on tuesday before the middle tennessee state game that he would have tommy john surgery so he is now uh, done for the season so the second year in a row that alabama has lost a weekend starter um you know i think last year might have been before the first game this year it's you know right after the first series has started so they have had to kind of redo how they're going to do their weekend so like today they um so they moved Aiden Mazza up to Saturday so he started yesterday and then today uh Greg Ferone got the start he won went three innings allowed one run two hits five strikeouts and then uh became a bullpen game you know the three more relievers came in Austin Morris Braylon Myers Pierce George um added another five strikeouts to the game so pitching staff still looks to be okay um, but it will be interesting to see once Alabama gets into a little bit tougher competition you know consistently you know they pretty soon they're going to have Tennessee as their first um, SEC series Um, this weekend they do have they go out to Texas they have games against Indiana Arizona and Dallas Baptist three very good baseball teams Um, so we'll get see a first little test and then once they actually get into SEC play how will the arms hold up because I don't think the bats are going to go anywhere soon yeah exciting to see on the softball side softball continues to dominate 15 and 0 uh, 4-0 this weekend uh in the Green and Gold Classic in Birmingham. Uh, today they beat uh, UAB 15 to nothing in five innings. Uh, that's uh, season high, um, topping their 13-run performance over Longwood from earlier this season. Um, they just continue to dominate. Uh, Alabama softball last season you know, had trouble scoring. Uh, it does not appear that that is going to be the case this season, one would hope. Yeah. Uh, well, if you can end a game in five and six innings routinely, then you're doing something right on offense. <laughs> Too good. So, yeah. Yeah. So, now, dr- drum you know, roll, yeah, drum roll. Um, beef of the Week is back, finally. Yeah. I don't know. I read on the audio board. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, apologies <laughs> to anybody who had the volume turned up. Um, Beef of the Week is back. It's been so long. When was the last time we did Beef of the Week? I do Beef of the Week every day, but that's just you know, myself. <laughs> just beef of the day. <laughs> All-time hater. Yeah. Um, so who wants to start? Who's got Who's got a, a juicy beef? Ooh, yeah. I'll let you, one of you two take that. All right. So um, mine, you know, it's it's right now it's focused on one guy, but it's really it's a it's a bunch of people. You know, it's a bunch of casual um, 
bunch of casual uh, sports fans, um, specifically on the campus. But we know we've talked about before, you know, people walking around with other uh, teams, you know, stuff on. And this isn't like that. It's just, you know, Alabama has a bunch of students from around the country. And that means, you know, a bunch of them have their, you know, allegiances to uh, professional teams, um, one being, say, the Patriots. So when we're standing in line for an Alabama basketball game, you're a student at Alabama, you're in the student line to get into an Alabama basketball game. Do you think you need to talk about your team and say, oh, that guy that was a Heisman finalist at the University of Alabama who's currently a quarterback in the NFL is a bum? Is that how you should word it while you're a student at the school that he went to? Probably not. Um, And, you know, I'm singling this guy. I don't know his name, but, like, you know, he's the top of my mind. But we have many people like this who will just say, you know, it just just work on your wording, right? Like if you wanted to be like, you know, Mac Jones, he just hasn't really, you know, lived up to what he did in college. And I could then point out, you know, he's had three different offense coordinators in three seasons. You know, he's had a defensive guy be his offensive coordinator. But when you come out and just say he's a bum, you know, we, we can't we can't go anywhere from that. Like you're just automatically I'm automatically assuming that you don't really know what you're talking about because you can't, you know, actually say what's wrong with the situation because the situation isn't really Mac Jones. Now, Mac Jones now might have lost his confidence. He might not turn into a, you know, pro bowl quarterback again. He was a pro bowl quarterback his first year in the NFL. And then, you know, now he's had two more offensive corners. One guy shouldn't have been. Um, but now you're trying to tell me, oh, they need, they just need to take Jaden Daniels, you know, with that third pick. That's all they need. Just take another quarterback. That's not going to help you. You need offensive line you need receivers for him to throw to that's why i might if you have the third pick right now maybe try to get a quarterback in free agency but if you've got the third pick and marvin harrison jr's there and you don't take him that's something that new england hasn't done they haven't had like a real receiving threat since gronkowski and he was a tight end so uh, i mean we could say edelman but like you know he's not the the game breaking receiver that you need so how about um especially when you're from that area and you're now a student at a school that that quarterback is from, don't just be like, oh, yeah, he's a bum. Let's, let's not do that. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I can go. The uh, passion comes out. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I don't know. All right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go because, I, Nick, I know yours, and yours is kind of a way f- cooler one to end on. Um, so so my, my B for the week um, – and I'll preface it with this. I love the sport of baseball. I always have. I love professional baseball. I think they have really exciting players, and I think college baseball has really exciting games. My beef of the week, though, is these, like, spring training overreactions as if they're not playing, like, legit high schoolers. Um, and some of these – and some of these pe- – like, literally, like, some of these guys in spring training are 18 years old, 19 years old. Like, they should not – and like they're facing 35 year old veterans of major league baseball like that guy should win um and and i just say this because every time you know i follow a lot of baseball accounts on social media you know staying the news and everything and every time like one like semi-decent prospect makes a play it could be a routine ground ball to third and the guy threw it to first clean i'm seeing how barry bonds is reincarnated in this kid or like hank aaron is going to be the next this guy and for five years you know or or, you know and then five years down the road i'm never going to hear about him um so just just in general and then to kind of tag along with this uh any spring training that does have a a talented you know players rosters kind of go head to head 
it, like, you know, I watched the Orioles yesterday. Corbin Burns was on the mound, the big trade acquisition for them. And he pitches like one inning. And all of a sudden, before I know it, he's out of the game. And I'm like, really? Like, no point. See ya. Like, now I'm watching a dude I've never heard pitch. So I think the spring training overreactions, I must say, especially in a sport like baseball, because you're not supposed to, you know, like it's a game of failure, as they say. You're not really supposed to hit the ball statistically. So anytime someone does, it's it's as if we're watching I, I Babe Ruth come back to life. And I'm like, this guy is a 28-year-old in AAA. That's, that's not where I thought you were going to go not. with this. No, sorry. Go ahead. Where did you think? <laughs> no, I I thought you were going to talk about the the uniforms. Oh, the and, fanatics uh, jersey <laughs> disaster. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. hey, they're they're trying to tap into a new demographic of viewership with the their see through pants. Uh, so. <laughs> what? Yeah. Truly, those a disaster. are also terrible. I, to be honest, I completely forgot about those. But yeah, he, he's he's so upset about the the overreactions. And the pants are brutal. Yeah, he's, oh no, it's it's so upset with the overreactions. Forgot about the awful jerseys. I think yeah, that the fanatics true. like pants could pass like the clear bag policy uh, at Brian Denny, like straight yeah. up. Like you could bring them as a bag. A TSA would see everything as you board a plane. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, okay, so my beef of the week um, is video sports video game companies, okay? 2K, EA, refusing to release, like, meaningful information about their games until, like, a month before the game comes out, okay? So everybody's been talking, college football, 25, finally we're getting another college football game. It took... Apparently, all it took was $600 and a copy of the game to every athlete. every athlete, every scholarship athlete in the country, which is that really, I mean, I think it's going to come down to like a one heck of a deal for EA, let's just say uh, that, and who doesn't want to be in the game, like obviously you saw you saw uh, malachi moore was one of the first yeah. people uh, get a uh, six hundred dollars and a copy of the game you know yeah i'm telling you the copy of the game does more lifting than people think i'm i agree i just I put agree. that out there getting in the getting that game for free yeah <laughs> but okay so we still don't have any gameplay footage okay we've seen like the uh, literally a teaser trailer like this game the hype has been building for a decade <laughs> yeah a decade. a decade they finally announced like in 2021 uh three years ago now that the game was going to come back to begin with yeah, i think um, they delayed it for a year that well they did which I, i'm fine with right like delay it get it right because your legacy is on the line ea if this game comes out and it stinks i mean there might be riots um you truly will not see we, we were joking about this you there might be a national labor shortage uh, the day that the game comes out because all of a sudden like men everywhere are just not going to be out in public everybody's going to be at home and doordash uh hey ladies like football teams. hey true 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 yeah 100 percent. Right. will everybody we'll see. the world will cease it'll be yeah, like uh, covid too um but yeah, so we still don't have any gameplay footage. Now, we have seen little bits and pieces of, like, you know, we saw Big Al, which, you know, you love to see, right? You saw some stadium uh, some stadium work, and teams have been submitting all kinds of pictures of the stadium, fight songs, uh, mascots, uniforms. They've been submitting all this stuff for years. I think they years. also did, like, stadium songs, too. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, and they've said that the game is really supposed to uh, focus a lot around the tradition of college football, all the things that make it special. But 
at some point, like, we, we have to see some gameplay. A lot of people are worried yeah. that this is going to be a Madden clone, which if you play Madden, you know is, like, like a dumpster Madden. fire. Yeah. Uh, you do not want this to turn into another Madden. And at some point, like, we, we need to see some gameplay, and you would like to see it uh, sooner than, like, literally a month before the game comes out. Yeah. I, just personal pet peeve. 2K does this, too, yeah. with NBA 2K. And what I will say... Um, to kind of alleviate some of the fears, um, which I know you, you've heard it just as much as I have. Um, it is a different team than the Madden team. I know it's still EA, but it's a different team working on the game, so probably not exactly like Madden. Uh, and I think the biggest news that we've actually heard came from uh, Chris Fowler um, when he went live and was basically uh, gave this whole like speech about how he's been recording uh, stuff for, for two years. For two years yeah. and for every single team. Like he's been doing like customized like broadcasts for like situations and for specific teams to where it's not your just generic, you know, touchdown you know it's and i don't know he's already confirmed that they there are lines in the game for a 75 yard field goal and the one point safety yeah so who can be the first to hear the one point safety uh on don't cheat day? don't cheat yeah, let it happen naturally naturally <laughs> getting that one point man yeah. it's gonna be tough speaking of okay one thing another semi you know a mini beef of the week inside this like a <laughs> like a, a patty of the week yeah, yeah, like a not quite a whole the whole beef. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, some, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was little, gonna try and little elaborate. Whopper Junior. I was gonna try yeah. and elaborate Whopper, yeah. there, but I just could the not think. Meal. Happy Meal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no free ads. Um, but that's true. <laughs> sorry. So we heard about all the talent, the broadcast talent that's gonna be on the game. Not a single sideline reporter announced. Yeah, that's Are weird. you serious? Like that's wh- weird. What what are we doing? Like, yeah. where is Holly Rowe? Yeah, straight exactly. up. Like, especially with how kind of like important a lot of them are. Like, um, who was the lady? I forgot her name now. On CB, Jenny Taft, I believe that was her name. Like, there's there there's a lot that have been doing this for a while that should be in there. Yeah, like, come on. I was hoping for the reenactment of uh, Maria Taylor and Nick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no coaches in the game, unfortunately, this yeah. year. And, and I think I do not think uh, Nick Saban made the cut in time to like be on college game day, like in the yeah. in the actual game. We're gonna have to wait till next yeah. year, unfortunately. Well, now, could could we franchise like this? Let's wait and see. <laughs> could we get like a little you know DLC you know later to like oh, put them yeah. in? I don't know. Probably not. But um, next year cover for the new game will probably just be uh, college game day <laughs> with him on there well this it you know this is ea so they'd probably charge you about 20 dollars to get the nick saban dlc which i'm the sure many edition. people would that's what it'll many be. people would pay for i think that's happening if there is any edition that has nick saban on the cover i'm buying the physical copy and i'm never opening it like i'm literally just gonna have it like so what, what what's like your cutoff like I, Price-wise? you would expect oh, that the game is going to be well, eighty dollars because that's the new trend for next generation games, uh, for them to be seventy nine ninety nine. What is your like? You know they're going to come out with some goat edition, something like that, some Heisman edition, edition, something like that. What is your cutoff? What is the absolute most that you would spend on this game? Which for some people they would say like twenty thousand dollars. That's how important this game is to them. <laughs> no, 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 okay. okay. I, I'm t- I'm dead serious. You think I'm joking? Um, oh yeah, no, I'm 
I'm not questioning that. I'm questioning the people that you're talking oh, about. Oh, <laughs> 100%. Uh, but, like, what, what, what's, the, what's the cutoff for the, the GOAT edition? Okay, for me, if they came out, GOAT edition, Nick Saban cover, I'm buying the physical copy. I'll probably put my cutoff at, like, $200. Yeah, I was going to say something very similar. I was going to say, like, yeah, like, 150 200 something like that. It would also depend also just, like, on how – to be honest, now, how cool the cover is, too. Yeah. So here's like, the thing. I bought the God of War Ragnarok, um, like, collector's edition that came with, like, a hammer and everything. I'm just talking about, I will spend $200 just for this cover. Like, just, just in the wrapper. Just to put Heisman it edition. You get a mini Heisman trophy that comes That's, with it. Could oh, they, my gosh. I mean, let me cook. That would be great. EA, sign me up. Uh, I want to yeah. be in the game. Yeah. Can I, can we can can we get student can, reporters? So like in I the know Jalen Miller said he's in the game. Can I be in the game? Can, can I just like declare that I'm in the game? Can we get? It to I think where, I've like, been on the. If, you're, if yeah. you're in the dynasty mode, if you kind of have gone idle for a little bit, you can like get the low tide in the background. How, how many times do you have to be shown on the jumbotron before you get put in the game? I'm asking for a friend. That's true. Like <laughs> how many times until you're like an iconic fan? Yeah. Well, I mean, this has been, man, beef of the week. We got to keep it around. Every time it comes, I think it's come back like twice oh, now. Nice. Um, but every time it's just an absolute <laughs> blast. We've been on 20 shows total. It's like <laughs> a, good, a good portion of our shows have had it and then come back from it. <laughs> yeah, it's like Roman Reigns. Like Roman Reigns returns. Yeah, beef exactly. of the week returns every single week. Yeah. Um, we'll just like Brock Lesnar there for a while where it was like, well, he's kind of a UFC fighter, but oh, here he is. Yeah. Um, so that's going to do it uh, for us on the Low Tide, this 20th episode. Hopefully there will be many, many more episodes of Low Tide, many more editions. Hopefully of people Be- will show up on time. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. A tough look on sorry. the 20th episode. Uh, it, it wasn't that late. It was like two minutes. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about Eli Gold. The, right. the hustle was crazy. Um but that's going to do it for us here. Uh, make sure to join us again next week, same time, uh, 7 p.m. We'll see you next time here on 90.7. Thank you for listening.